cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. So said René Descartes, the French philosopher who lived in the first half of the 17th century and is regarded as the founding father of the rationalism that underpinned Western civilization and thought for the next three centuries. Some wit, and I've been unable to trace exactly who was the person who said it first, has suggested that the motto for our society should be Tesco Ergo Sum. I shop, therefore I am. For if anything defines our way of life in our Western civilization today, it's consumerism. Although we own more possessions and are better off than any previous generation, even in their wildest dreams, yet still we are not satisfied. If you are feeling low, then the answer may be a trip to the shopping mall. Retail therapy. No wonder that one enterprising store has chosen the name What Everyone Wants, which I've borrowed as the title for our study on the last of the Ten Commandments as we look at them together this evening. What everyone wants is more. What we don't have, but which we see that others do have. Expressed in the words of Exodus 20:17, which reminds us that what we want may not just be things, but also people. Here's what the commandment says. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. The last phrase, of course, covers everything else, especially if you smile and think there's nobody's donkey I really fancy at the moment. The verb to covet and the related adjective and noun, covetous, covetousness, they're not commonly used words today, are they? Because they, they have a kind of negative connotation. Even my dictionary, when I looked at the word covet, seems to pull its punches. This is what it says. Covet. To wish, long, or crave for. Then it, though it does add in brackets, something, especially the property of another person. So I ask myself, what's wrong with a traveller wishing, longing, craving for a glass of ice-cold water if he's lost in the desert? Or even Tiny Tim wishing, craving, longing for a Christmas goose from Ebenezer Scrooge? No, what God says is wrong in the Tenth Commandment is something far more serious. My theological dictionary is a little more precise. Covert, an inordinate desire for something. An inordinate desire is one that exceeds the normal limits. One that strays into forbidden territory. Craving for something that's off limits. Something you don't need, but something that you want. And as such, coveting is a problem for every one of us here this evening what everyone wants. However, when you get to the end of the Ten Commandments, if you've been with us on this series, there's a kind of danger that when you get to the tenth, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say, well, this one's not quite as bad as the other ones. Because it's only to do with what we think, not what we do, like murder, stealing, lying, committing adultery. And, and therefore we can tend to think, well, this is not really quite so serious. I want to suggest to you this evening that this is a serious problem which requires a radical remedy. 
So let me explain, first of all, why it's a serious problem, and then secondly, we'll look at what the radical remedy is for this serious problem. Covetousness is serious sin. Let's begin at the beginning by looking at the source of the problem. Where did it come from? And if you read the third chapter of the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, we discover that covetousness is in fact the original sin. It's the source of all our problems. God created the world in all its beauty and abundance and gave the man and woman all they needed in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the eastern Eden and there he put the man he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. They had more than enough to be satisfied. But the Lord placed one prohibition on them, one thing forbidden. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, God placed this prohibition to test whether Adam and Eve would be satisfied with all the good things he'd given to them and would freely love and trust and obey him. Sadly, as we know, they failed the test. The devil, in the form of a serpent, caused them to doubt God's goodness and intentions and offered them the carrot, or maybe it was an apple, of becoming like God if they ate the forbidden fruit. Significantly, if you know the Bible, it's this same sin to which Satan himself had succumbed when he fell from heaven. You'll find that in Isaiah 14 if you're interested. The first sin they committed, therefore, was not the action, but the desire. Covetousness was the source of the problem. Look at what it says in Genesis 3.6. Desire leads to action. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now, through our first original parents, we inherit that same sinful propensity which begins with desire 